the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. A couple minutes after 4, listen to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in today. Forecast calling for a mix of clouds and sun in the next couple of hours. Uh, 42 for our high, then down to 23 with cloudy skies tonight. Staying cloudy tomorrow, the high of 38. Sixers snuck by New Orleans, 111-110 last night. Flyers home tonight at 7 against Buffalo. And the Phillies and Yankees playing this afternoon doing the spring training baseball thing. We are excited and want to jump right into an opportunity we have here to have Danielle Kimmy Torres, uh, formerly of the group Out of Eden, who's a, a musical heyday, the mid-90s through the mid-00s. How are you, Danielle? I am doing great. It's so good to reconnect and to hear your voice again. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking the last time that we spoke would have been just a few months before our sister station, 990 WZZD, changed formats. And it's a currently oh, a, wow. new, yeah, a new news talk station. It was February 2004. And you and your sisters, Lisa and Andrea, were, were in town for um, several things. I think you were doing a youth luncheon and you were at a bookstore. Oh. Uh, or, or, or an event that night, and you had a new record out at the time. One of, I guess, you had seven yeah. on the way. So I think that was a uh, love, peace, and happiness. Yeah, yeah, two thousand four. That's right. It was nominated for Dove Award <laughs> and all that stuff. And so, yeah. But I was just listening to some of that. I have all the interviews on tape, and I was listening. It was a lot of fun to reminisce. So I'll make sure to get you a copy. But for for those who don't yes. know, Out of Eden, maybe we could just do a little bit of a, a background so people understand and appreciate. That's a, a, certainly a big part of your life with you and your two sisters. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we, my sisters and I, we started singing when we were just kids. And uh, we lived in Richmond, Virginia, and we would sing and dance just for fun. But through a, a mutual friend, my mom found out that record labels in Nashville were looking for the next female Christian new kids on the block. <laughs> so <laughs> even though I was like, eight years old at the time. I'm the youngest of, of my three siblings. So my mom decided that we were going to move to Nashville, Tennessee, and we were going to be this huge singing sensation. And uh, we all thought she was crazy. We said, there's, there's no way. We're just kids. How are we going to do this? But, you know, she just felt like she knew that she knew that this was what we were supposed to do. So she moved us to Nashville, put us in school, um, and I'll never forget, I was in seventh grade, 12 years old, and my mom comes to my school and she says, hey, I'm taking you out of school. So I'm thinking, oh, we're going to get a snack? Like, what? why are we leaving? And she goes, no, I'm taking you out. Like, you're, you're not coming back. You're going on tour next week. And I couldn't believe it. She let us know that we were going to go on to the biggest tour in Christian music, with the group DC Talk. So this is like the height of DC Talk. 
you know, we were going to go on a 60-city tour, three months long, all huge arenas, just me and my sisters and a driver. So we were all under 18. Our mom and dad didn't go with us. It was just the three of us, wow. something you probably could only get away with in the 90s, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Unheard of. <laughs> Unheard of uh, now. But at the time, I don't know, it made sense. So we did it. We embarked on a 60-city tour with DC Talk and another group called Audio Adrenaline that some of your listeners may be familiar with. Sure. And, you know, that was the beginning of a 13-year career in contemporary Christian music. Chatting with uh, Danielle from uh, formerly of Out of Eden. I, I say it that way, but you've done much more even since those years. Uh, you wound up, part of the, the history I remember, the sound of, of the three of you and how it was kind of, I think your sister... Andrew described it as it was it was too contemporary pop for gospel radio and it wasn't gospel or whatever you know there was, you didn't have a spot mm-hmm. so then Toby yeah. Mac from DC Talk uh, who a lot of folks have recognized recognized you know for all the solo music he's done since then he actually started a record label Goatee so you'd have a place to be is it, if I remember correctly That's true That's true so uh, like I said my mom knew that the record labels were looking for the female new kids on the block so when we came about and we'd share our music, they just would, they would see us because, um, you know, this is, this is the radio, but we're black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they'd, they'd, we'd walk in, they'd see us, and they'd automatically say, oh, that, you, you should do gospel music. And we were like, what? We're not gospel music, not even close. And so then we'd go to uh, gospel labels, and they'd listen to the music and realize, oh, this isn't gospel at all, so that's not going to work. So we were stuck in between, um, you know, two different types of labels. So Toby, um, like my, my sister Andrea told you way back in the day, he said, well, I love what you all are doing, so I want to make a home for you. And two years after the first time we sang for him, he started Goatee Records, and he signed us and other, other uh, great artists have come out of that record label in that time. So a rap group called Grit was there at the time. Sure. Um, since then, uh, let's see, Reliant K has come out of there. Yep. Jennifer Knapp, a group called Christ of Far Eye has come out of there. Right. Sonic so, Flood was part of that. Grace. Sonic yep. Flood, right. that's right. And yeah. uh, another local favorite, the Katinas, have been at Calvary Chapel of Philly, which has been on our radio for 30-plus years. They come in all the time, yes. lead worship, do concerts. So all of that, but, okay. but Out of Eden was the first group on Goatee. So all the other artists were, were brought on board over the years, right? So Yeah, so they should really thank us. That's right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, well, I'm that, just kidding, of course. But, yes, we were the first ones, and as he opened the door for us, and then in turn we were able to open the door for so many other Christian acts that didn't have, you know, the exact Christian radio sound. And so we were able to trailblaze and see, you know, our music was played on Christian radio all the time after he opened those doors. Danielle, uh, Kimmy Torres is with us. And uh, you, did you have a lot of creative freedom with, with accessibility in mind, or was it really much more about just doing music you believed in? I, I know Toby is very intentional. So um, as much as Goatee was giving you that freedom to be yourselves and find a spot for you, uh, my guess is there was also some wisdom, like we do have to think about how to build bridges with the radio stations that are in existence and what they're going to be thinking too? Yes. 
Um, we did have a lot of creative freedom. We we only recorded and wrote exactly what we wanted to write. And yeah. then I remember every time we did an album, we'd have about maybe 30 songs. And then, you know, we'd just start cutting it down, cutting it down, cutting it down to 10 to 12. And then from there, you know how people do radio edits. Maybe your listeners know this or maybe they don't. Re- regardless of what genre you're in, people do radio edits. Maybe they increase the amount of keys or lower the drums or put guitar in that wasn't there initially because that's more of a radio-friendly sound. So they would do radio edits. Uh, but really, I'm, I just feel so blessed to have been able to write and record music. And when I say me, typically my oldest sister, Lisa, wrote most of our songs. I only wrote a couple. Yeah. But just that we would be able to do the music that was in our hearts and put it out there and that it was accepted and that people enjoyed it, but not just that, radio stations played it. I, I just feel very blessed. Danielle, Danielle Kimmy Torres, formerly of Out of Eden, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show this afternoon, back with more in just a moment on WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's going to be a lovely day. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. The Tim DeMoss Show rolls along with Danielle Kimmy Torres, who also with her sisters Lisa and Andrea made up the group Out of Eden. So speaking of your sisters, just to sit back for a minute, here's a, a short clip from me asking you about, because you're the baby like I am the baby in my family, and I asked your Great. sisters about the birth order. So see if, uh, hopefully you can hear this coming through. We have Danielle, Andrea, and Lisa from Out of Eden all in together. Now, Lisa is the is the oldest sibling, yes. right? So that, that and has that birth order kind of played out in in the band at times? Um, definitely in the beginning. Now I think, you know, we're all grown-ups and we're all, you know, respect each other and are equals. So okay. just in the beginning, our mom wasn't on the road, so I kind of had to play that position a little bit. Mother so, hand. Yeah. And Andre, you're in the middle? Sorry? Yes, I am. Okay. So what does that mean? Does it mean you have an identity crisis or does that mean... No, that- <laughs> no it means that I have to keep the peace between okay. <laughs> oldest and youngest because they have very strong opinions and I'm kind of like, okay, whatever, that's uh, cool. But, you know, I have to, you know, kind of mediate you're sometimes. You're the glue. And then Danielle. Now, so Danielle, being the baby, does that mean you're... Because I'm the baby in my family. Oh, really? Yeah, my brothers are all jealous because my parents kind of... By the time they got to me, they were tired of... They were just like, yeah, you can stay up late. Go ahead. I watch the ball game. Go ahead, you know. Well, we were on the road while I was growing up, so it wasn't... It wasn't so much that um, my mom was tired as I wasn't there, you know? Yeah. So um, they didn't have anything to be jealous about. I don't. Oh, think. whatever. <laughs> I had to be in at twelve, and she could just stroll in at two. My mom would be like, "Whatever." <laughs> see, see, she's well, trying to slough right past that question. Uh-huh. Like, it's well, there you go, deal. Danielle. <laughs> oh my goodness! <laughs> A little blast from the past. It was fifteen years ago, and uh, goodness gracious, yes. <laughs> <laughs> true. That is funny. Yeah. All those things, yeah, they remain true to this day. And I think especially when Lisa said she had to step into that role a little bit, that mom role, yeah. we've been arguing about that since <laughs> I was 10 years old, whether or not she actually mothered me. <laughs> so she still to this day says she did, and I say to this day that I raised myself. Ah, uh, yeah. So <laughs> it just depends on how you look at it, right? 
Yeah, exactly. She's when she hears this, she's gonna roll her eyes. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> Danielle uh, Kimmy Torres is with us. Uh, she one third of Out of Eden. And they had seven albums over the years. They were nominated for many different awards. They did a lot of trailblazing. Uh, one of the things, too, about the Out of Eden that folks might like to know is the way that things went, as it turned out, they just kind of steadily built for you. I think at one point you guys had kitted around. You would have been okay with it if you'd blown up overnight at one point, like even if it's the third album blew up and then you people find out about your previous work. But in reality, just kind of stacked on top of each other over the years, right? The, the respect and what was happening was more like a, a, a steady slope up. Yeah, absolutely. We never had like a breakthrough moment. Um, we never had a moment where our sales spiked for a certain album. It's exactly what you said. We just grew fan on top of fan, word of mouth, a lot of word of mouth. We had a lot, we had a heavy following like, if you loved Out of Eden, I mean, you just loved Out of Eden. And thankfully, I still to this day get Facebook messages. I get a ton of Instagram DMs. People that just let me know how they feel about our music, that they're still listening to it, what it meant for them. Some people came to know God through our music. Some people, you know, will write me and say, hey, I was going to take my life until I heard one of your songs. And when I hear stuff like that, it means so much to me that I feel God used us in that time, in that space for those 13 years, and even now, to really affect change in the world. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it really is. Uh, and as you look back now and, and the uh, the decision to wrap things up, I, I have a guess, but I just remember during that last interview that I played a clip from, I think that was about the time Andrea had just had her baby, Naya, was it? Yeah, not, wow. She's like, a, yeah. so, well, and she, and she, uh, so I'm just guessing as, as you become, and all three of you now, your last names aren't Kimmy. So it's, uh, life happens, <laughs> right? So could you kind of tell her what led to wrapping things up? Like as, as she was saying, being a mom, you know, obviously started to affect things and you're on different pages a little mm -hmm. bit. Yeah, there... I think we all had a deep sense of wanting to move on. I think when you, grow up doing something, it's all you know, then you start getting, Andrea was married, and then she had a kid, and she wanted to have a second kid, and my sister Lisa um, was in love and about to get married, and, and I was just totally single at the time, but I just, I wanted to do business, and I wanted to just make a name for myself. Yeah. As the youngest, sometimes you feel like, uh, the only identity you have is whatever your family put on you. Yeah. So I think it was that. we are. It wasn't our record sales. It wasn't um, that nobody wanted to hear from us anymore. It literally was just our lives were changing so fast. Our desires were changing. And we felt like we had made a mark. We just didn't feel like there was anything left that we needed to do. Yeah. So, you know, in hindsight, to be honest with you, we should have ended better. We should have probably done a farewell tour, uh, a, maybe a farewell album. We did a greatest hits, but that was more put out of, from our record label because we ended so abruptly. Yeah. And I wish for the sake of our fans that we had, a, we had done it better. I still hear people that, that are actually hurt by us ending so suddenly and not making any announcements and just kind of like, we're done. That's it. We did our one last show. I think 
I think it was with um, Michael Tate from DC Talk was there and Winona Judd. <laughs> Why not? Sure. Was there and it was a big performance of Saddleback, uh, Saddleback in, um, in California. For all those that don't know, it's Rick Warren's church. Yeah. Purpose-driven life. Yeah. Yes, purpose-driven life. That's right. So we did this huge ending show, and we just, that was our farewell to us in our hearts. But for everyone else, we just disappeared. And so I think if there's any regrets that I carry from my time with Out of Eden, it's that we didn't do it better at the end. Tim DeMoss show right now. Danielle Kimmy Torres, along with her sisters Lisa and Andrea, made up the group Out of Eden. We'll continue our retrospective and also look forward a bit in our next segment. Tim DeMoss show on WFIL, WFIL.com. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Listen to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in today. Chat with Danielle Kimmy Torres out of Eden, who, along with her sisters, had a number of albums come out in the mid-90s through the mid-00s. And uh, we're enjoying our conversation today. Thank you for tuning in. Has there been any point over the last dozen or so years that whether it's you or the, or the sisters have thought about doing something music-related, whether it's an album or a mini tour or a cruise like some folks do or whatever, you know? Hey, look, if somebody wanted to us to do a cruise, I could almost <laughs> guarantee you. <laughs> you're, a, you're on board, we are, literally? Yes, we are cruise aficionados. <laughs> we love cruises. So if someone were to ask us, like, hey, will you do a reunion cruise? I'm going to say 99% sure <laughs> with the surety that, yes, <laughs> we will do the cruise. Yeah. Other than that, we haven't decided to do, like, a reunion. However, my sister, Lisa Kimmy, now Lisa Kimmy Winans, yes. she's married to Juan Winans, who is one of the next generation of the Winans family, and he was in Winans Face too. Yeah. And he is one of the best male vocalists I've ever heard in my entire life. Hmm. And they sing together. So they did, like, they just led worship together. They are worship pastors in several different states for 10 years and just now have decided to start doing like actual non-worship music together. So they put out a Christmas record that came out last year and did really well. And I think now they're kind of in that writing phase that exploring what exactly they want their sound to be for their first project. So that's under Juan and Lisa Winans. And I'm very excited about what that's going to bring. That's really cool. That's really cool. And and while you're on the topic, how is uh, Andrea doing? Is she she's got children and what, has she done music yeah. at all, or what is she doing? So something funny about Andrea. Andrea had two kids, eleven and a fourteen year old, and uh, she came over my house, and she was acting very strange. This is about a year ago. She was acting so strange, and I wondered why. And she finally told me. Um, Noel is her son. Noel is not going to be the youngest Baca anymore. <laughs> and I could not figure out what she was talking about. But she had a huge surprise, and that was that she was pregnant after 11. I mean, she had been done for 11 years. I mean, this wow. was the surprise of a lifetime. And now they have a baby. Um, <laughs> wow. It's, it's, 
turn their lives completely upside down in a very good way. So Andrea is still working. She's a NICU specialist. She's a nurse. Yeah. So she works on, like, very tough NICU cases, and she loves what she does. She just has a heart for those babies. Yeah. And she has an ability to just love babies through whatever they may be going through and, and nurse them to health. So that's great. I'm very proud of her. But that's what, and, and she's a new mom. Folks just tuning in, listen to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Danielle Kimmy Torres, our guest, formerly of the group Out of Eden, along with her sisters Lisa and Andrea. I would love to, sh- to shift to just you know update folks what you've been doing since Out of Eden, you personally, because you've kindly shared a little bit about your sisters. One last thing, though, just to remind folks, uh, it's not too late, definitely, to expo- explore Out of Eden's music. You tackled a lot of subjects in your music, I don't think most artists in the Christian music world did. Not because you're trying to prove a point, like, look, we can do this, and no one else does. And it wasn't even that it was controversial, as much as being transparent. Like, I, I remember the song, um, Should Have Listened, and mm. it just really mm-hmm. was just a really, like, a great song about people speaking into your life and saying, but like, saying, I'm not going to do that. And how many people, I mean, raise your hand, we all do, have a stubbornness about mm-hmm. us in different ways. Do uh, you, you, you remember much about that that song in particular, or or pick us any other song, whatever about? You know, yeah, that, yeah. Well, one of the most poignant songs that we did that I can quickly remember was Rolling Stones. Yeah, and it was one of those songs that your family doesn't really want you to release because it was about our father. And at the time of of that song, we had just gotten reacquainted with our father, who we did. I didn't know him till I was fifteen years old. Hmm. We had just gotten reacquainted with him. We love him. We're very close to this day now. But we, had to, we really felt like we needed to deal with the internal feelings about him not being there and why wasn't he there and, you know, why didn't our mom let us meet him or see him and what kind of hurt did she have to go through that would result in her keeping us apart from him. You know, that's a heavy subject, and for us, we spoke about it through music, and we just kind of laid it there, so it's like my papa was a rolling stone, abandoned us, and left us alone. And again, that's not something that your family listens to and goes, this is my favorite song. (laughs) (laughs) They don't. I'm pretty sure most of our family just fast-forwards that song and goes on to the next one. But for us, it was just really important to put that out there because how many people are dealing with fatherlessness? So many people don't even know their dad. And so I love that in our music, we were able to approach that subject the best way we knew how. That's great. And, and other songs over the years, I remember playing songs like Showpiece and Soldiers and just bold songs that weren't afraid uh, of what people would think. And, and again, not because you're trying to shock them, but just... Hey, the culture's pretty aggressive. We probably should not be uh, in the fetal position. We have to be strong also. So that's good. Yeah, definitely. Things like showpiece talking about self-worth before that was a really in subject. So some of our music did shock people. Some of it was too much for the marketplace at the time. But, you know, that's just who we were. And I, I think coming from contemporary Christian, coming to, rather, contemporary Christian music with a at an African-American point of view, you know, we're exposed to different things, and we have, I'm not going to say life is harder as a black person in America, but it's certainly not easier. Yeah, I wanted <laughs> to... There are, uh, yeah, uh, go ahead. Yeah, let me just say this. 
Um, I think that because of that and all the things that you do go through as a black person in America and then being a part of a a vastly white, you know, um, sexist music, there was only a few of us, but our writing reflected our difference of experience, if you will. Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about that. Obviously, February is Black History Month, and of course, these things matter. It doesn't matter what the month is. And I never like to assume anything one way or the other. So I, I wanted to kind of just let you take that whatever direction you wanted. Your perspective on matters of race, your experience, thoughts on the topic. You know, we talked about Toby Mac, for example. I remember, I think, I remember it was he that had talked about, you know, his, his band, the Diverse City Band. But it's not about being mm-hmm. diverse like just, and now we all have to look and sound the same, but actually celebrating each culture that, that they all matter that, and, and then should there should be some in some ways some separation so you can celebrate each thing I think that you just touched on an important point my favorite thing about race relations is that we're different races and I think that that's something that should absolutely be celebrated and understood you know I have so many people in my life that come from the I'm colorblind standpoint hmm. and although that's sounds like it would be a great thing, it, what it effectively means is that they don't acknowledge the things that I go through that are very different than what they go through because they don't, quote-unquote, see my race. So yeah. I want people to see my race, to know, the th- to acknowledge the things that I have gone through, but then also to acknowledge the beautiful things that I bring to our friendship or relationship or the world because of my race. And, you know, those are important, too. For instance, we're talking about Out of Eden. You know, we brought beats to the marketplace. Yes, you did. We brought soul to the marketplace. We brought energy and passions and and lyrics, like I said before, from a different perspective. If If you didn't see our race, then you wouldn't understand why those things were so important and the value that they bring to so many. Danielle Kimmy Torres from Out of Eden, or... Uh, albums came out in the mid-90s through the mid-00s. This is from one of those CDs from Love, Peace, and Happiness. This song is called Soldiers. We'll take a short break. I want to dig a little deeper into the conversation we're having with Danielle about race, race relations, and how we can bring about reconciliation. Back in just a second, AM560 WFIL. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. It is uh, 434 in WFIL. Chat with Danielle Kimmy Torres of Out of Eden. Going to 23, down, uh, dropping to 23 tonight, I should say, then staying cloudy with a high of 38 tomorrow. Sixers won last night. Flyers home tonight against Buffalo and the Phillies and Yankees in action this afternoon. One of the songs over the years from Out of Eden. Day like today. So, Danielle, um, you know, you said during our conversation here things you go through as a black person, and I thought it would be great if you can, good with elaborating a little bit on that, and maybe I'll set it up this way. I think I've experienced racism exactly in that, in the negative side of things, once in my whole life at a bus station. I was in the city, and I was in the middle of, there were no other white people in the room. And I'm just minding my business sitting there, and I heard much, someone mutter uh, white trash under her breath. I, I, I was like, what? And I looked up. I looked around the room. I'm like, is someone talking to me? And there was just a, a woman sitting in her chair, and she wasn't even looking at me. And I remember how bad that felt. Like, 
what did I do to you? I, I don't even know you. And that's the only time I felt it. But I remember how bad it felt just the one time. So anyway, I, yeah. I, I share that with you. So, I, you know, how your life is different it doesn't have to be all the bad stuff, but it could be an example like that. Or, or something, just how things are different, maybe just harder in some way, without being hurtful. Perhaps. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I have about a million examples to your one of, <laughs> yeah. of really, truly overt racism. But, you know, I'd like to talk about the subtler, the more subtle side of things, because I think in America, that's what's over, often overlooked. Um, you know, we were talking about saying that you're colorblind or not seeing color. Right. The problem with that is the subtle racism, those are the things that are overlooked. So um, for an instance would be, I can be, I can have the same amount of work experience as one of my white friends, uh, white female friends. So we won't even talk about males. Let's just talk about just being a woman. Yeah. I can have the same amount of experience or vastly more, and I'll more than likely be offered half. Uh, in a job that, than, than what they would be offered. Hmm. So let's say I'm making half because of my race. That's what I was offered for the same job. And then I go, I want to buy a house. So when you try to buy a house, we are offered loans with much higher interest rates. And so if we have wow. higher interest rates, we're not going to be able to get the same loan because, or excuse me, the same house because our payments are going to be much more expensive. So then if we end up in a community with um, like a lower income community and we put our children in school and they are African-American, especially our sons, then our sons are told on a pretty regular basis that they're going to end up in jail or dead. Yeah. So, you know, when you think about, when you think about racism from that standpoint, that these are the things that we as black people experience on literally a daily basis. If you walk in somewhere, you know that you're going to be greeted well, that you're going to be respected. Um, when I walk in somewhere, I know that there's a high probability that I'm not going to be greeted, that I'm going to be seen as lesser than. And so the effort that I have to put forth just to get a smile, a greeting, mm. just to let people know that it's okay, you can talk to me, I'm not a threat to you, is, you know, it can be exhausting. And I say these things, this is not, these aren't the things that I personally focus on on a regular basis. I know that they're there, but in my viewpoint, I want to approach the world with positivity, so I'm going to do whatever I need to do to live at peace with everyone. But there's no point in saying these things don't exist or not acknowledging them, because once we acknowledge them, then we have the ability as a, as a society, especially as, as Christians, as God's people, to work to move past them. But we have to do it. We have to do so with honesty and true understanding of what you know, people of color face in this country. Yeah. And for those just tuning in, chat with Danielle uh, from out of Eden back in the day, and she's doing other great things now. But just talking to you and hearing you, because I know you're not complaining, and I, I'm asking you the question. You didn't, to be fair, so people understand, you didn't call me to say, can I rant and talk about all these things? Uh, I, I, you know, just to just clarify, I think people forget sometimes, but I asked you uh, because, and just listening, I never thought about the um, the rolling effects of it, like you said, the money on the front end earning less 
but at the same time, if you want to go spend that money, especially on like a big purchase, perhaps you're going to have a harder time. And now it's that much more devalued. So I, exactly. yeah, I just learned this listening to you. That's why I want to ask the question. Uh, and, and also even earlier in our conversation at the very beginning, uh, this is one of the quick questions for you, how you have learned or how you work through these things. Cause I know you mentioned what, what God says in his word, uh, including scripture about living at peace with everybody. Uh, but back at the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned the phrase, I know this is radio, I'm black. And it was just, a, it was funny. Um, to be able to have a sense of humor, which I think you you seem to have have down pretty good, is that part of how you you know try to make sure you know you also you kind of know what's coming potentially, so you want to be uh, diffuse things ahead of time a little bit that way. Sometimes, I mean, growing up as a black person is a painful experience. Uh, it doesn't matter if you grow up with money. It doesn't matter if you grow up with a fa- with fame. Hmm. You are treated completely differently on a daily basis, and it hurts. And just the way someone who's bullied in school learns humor as a coping mechanism, I mean, honestly, black people are hilarious. Why are we so funny? Why are we so creative? Why can we light up a room, you know, with a joke so quickly? I mean, honestly, a lot of these things are our coping mechanisms. Mm. So I have those, but in a deeper sense and, you know, a more primary sense, I have the Word of God. And I have the understanding of myself as a child of God. Yeah. So that is my primary identity. And yes, I identify with every struggle that black people have. I know it. I live it. I don't ignore it. And I work to really promote justice for people of color. But at the same time, no one is going to be reconciled by us leading with our pain and trauma. But what does reconcile is the fact that we are all children of God, made in the image of God. And so when we can help people understand that, then, you know, the lines that separate us begin to dim. Amen. That's great. Those are good words. Those are really good words. Uh, and, and on this end, you know, for over the years, musically speaking, what we've tried to do, at least on our radio station, is is show that musically. So, uh Yes. Whether it's Out of Eden or Nicole C. Mullen or Cross Movement, we play the Grits. We play those bands regularly when most stations wouldn't play, you know, any of them or very little bit. Uh, and so that's we we affirm you, sister. And you know, you're <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> you. seriously. When we get to, when we, I think it's helpful, even if we have separate churches. Sometimes, you know, because I know our church, we'll try and we'll have a small minority, not just African American, but we'll have uh, Asian and other cultures in the mix. But sometimes it's just geographically hard to accomplish. Um, we have a church mm-hmm. right down the road from us, which is uh, almost completely black. And I love going there. My brother actually work, goes there sometimes and has, has preached there. And it's different. Awesome. And I like it. You know, it's, it's good. It reminds me. Guess what? When you get to heaven, it's not going to be what you were going to on Sunday or whenever you go to church. And, and it's good to have yeah, a bigger perspective. That is great. I go to a church that's um, 81 countries are represented at my church. So you really have everyone there. But, you know, even even in that diverse of an environment, um, racial diversity and reconciliation are often the reasons that people leave the church, meaning that, that when when an issue comes up, if people don't want to deal with it, they will run out the doors. And I do mean of every, every race. <laughs> Um, so yeah. we're constantly trying to find that sweet spot, that balance, if you will, 
of understanding that we're all different, we're all children of God, um, but also facing the issues that we need to face and not turning away from them or denying their existence. Yeah, and with God's Word as the ultimate lead, uh, because you could be from any different culture, theoretically, and say, you know, I have my problems too, and I have my, what about my problems? Yeah, sure, and I'm sure you're the kind of person who seeks to love regardless of color or male or female or whatever it might be, and that's what God's Word teaches us. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Well, thank you for clarifying. We'll take a brief break, and we'll come up and wrap up our conversation with uh, Danielle Kimmy Torres, formerly of Out of Eden, Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, com. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560, WFIL, and WFIL.com. God has given me a window, and I can finally see the light. And though I felt like going under, I know it's gonna be alright. AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com, one of many great songs that the band out of eden did over the years from the mid 90s to the mid 00s danielle kimmy torres at the time was danielle kimmy when we had her in studio a couple of times actually along with her sisters lisa and andrea uh in this very studio in fact 15 years ago they were at clc bookstore or i think over in chestnut hill they were at calvary chapel of philly they were doing a pastor's luncheon or a youth pastor's deal and uh just a lot of different things it's great to reconnect today and catch up on the music and also what's going on uh, nowadays. I want to just play one other short clip for you and ask you if this is still true years later. This had to do with the fact that Out of Eden, like we talked about, didn't blow up overnight or at one point, but had a steady uh, tracking here. This is a short little clip I had asked you about that. I can say that in our life, we're very satisfied. We're very satisfied um, with where we are in our career and we're very satisfied just knowing God. So really anything that God adds to our life is a bonus mm-hmm. because we don't yeah. need anything else. I honestly feel like if God didn't do anything else for me, like in my entire life, he's done enough. <laughs> I mean, we've just been so blessed. We never sold another record. You know, he's blessed us with a long, um, successful 10-year career. Um, well, that's so not gonna anything be a problem, else is a bonus. That's not going to be a problem. <laughs> this new record, Love, Peace, and well, Happiness. praise God for that. So that was when you were in studio in 2004, speaking... <laughs> Speaking which was February of 2004. You've been in studio in February 2002, I think. And now we're talking again in February. It's a thing about February that we apparently have on our schedules. <laughs> yes. Still true? That's so awesome. 15 that's, years that, later? That is such a, that's such a great point that I made. And I still feel the same way. Isn't that something? That is so cool. Yeah. So, you know, if nothing else, I'm consistent. Hey. <laughs> that's right. Well, tell folks, what are you, what are you up to? We talked about the, your sisters a little bit. Since uh, wrapping up out of Eden, the last dozen or so years, you, I know you've done a number of different things, and maybe you could kind of just go in order a little bit to, to what you're doing now. Yeah, I would say the primary thing I've done uh, until the last maybe four years, I was doing, I was director of marketing for a record label and other faith-based organizations. So I really loved doing that. But since I've gotten married and yes. um, I, had, I had a daughter... And then I had a surprise <laughs> pregnancy, which resulted in my two, my twin boys. What? So, yeah. So now I have a young two, a two-year-old, but she's on the young side of two. And uh, two twin boys who are right about to turn 11 months. Wow. So they are, them plus my husband Gabe are just the joy of my life. And um, 
Yeah, so I'm still working. I own a company called Experience Global, and we do customer service training. So we really help people to bring that Disney excellence experience into their restaurants, into their hospitals. We do a lot of healthcare training. And, um, you know, we've, we just feel like we've found this way to bring empathy, to bring um, God, and to bring the magic into every experience. And we love to share that. Interesting. You know, we actually, speaking of Disney, we just had Jody Benson, um, the Little Mermaid, on about two weeks ago. So great. They had the 30 year yeah, anniversary. Definitely send me that episode. I yep. want to listen to it. I'd be happy to. It was short. My eight year old Theodora, my wife said, you know, maybe Theodora should help you do that interview. So she came in and was the guest uh, guest DJ that day. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> and, she, she, and she was very gracious. So that's neat. So that's something that with, uh, with your growing family, I guess you and your husband are on his own defense now, two of you and three kids. Um, but oh yeah, <laughs> it's so. Can you continue doing that as the family unexpectedly grew? The the experience global uh, is it still a situation where you can work that even though you've got three lovely children? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm back. I'm working full time. Okay. Um, and I yeah, I definitely spend a ton of time with my family, as does Gabe, my husband. That's great. So we we actually take days. So some days he's with the kids and some days I'm with the kids because we both work full time. And then some days we have um, a nanny because everybody needs a little bit of help, especially when you have that many kids that aren't even ready for preschool yet. But um, Uh, we just love it. I mean, our house is always loud and it's always chaotic and a little bit messy, which is funny because I'm a neat freak. But... (laughs) <laughs> life changes and you just got to roll with it. You may have to give some of that up. <laughs> just yeah. saying, I, we have five kids and uh, yeah, we, we fight the uphill battle, but eventually... tell me, when do you get your neat house back? Does that happen or it's happening right now, but it's uh 20 years in just so you know. Oh, no. <laughs> so if you know that maybe when they were four, <laughs> Like, okay, maybe we can get some organization when there's, I'm like, when there's three or four and in preschool, maybe my house will be clean again. Yeah. Well, I'd hold on to that loosely. You can always pray. (laughs) True. Hey, with God, all things are possible. Yeah. Even the neat house. That's true. With young children. (laughs) Danielle, it's great talking with you. Um, I have all more, more questions. We can chat another time in a non-February month and please, um, Greet your sisters for us. How can people pray for you? And also, if they want to look up your music and or things you're involved with now with the Experience Global, what we're, I'm guessing, on Facebook or somewhere they could look look you guys up. Yeah, sure. I mean, Experience Global is experienceglobal.com. Um, also, we have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash experienceglobal. Okay. Definitely can follow me on Instagram under Danielle Kimmy Torres. Also on YouTube under Danielle Kimmy Torres. And then, but yeah, and then my sister is under, she's under The Paper Girl. Okay, that's fine. That's what it is, her production company name, The Paper Girl. That's for and, Lisa? Um, yes, that's okay. for Lisa. Okay. And then Andrea is not really very findable on the internet. Um, that's fine. She doesn't fine. keep much of a public profile anymore. But musically, can can folks, you know, without have eaten me all over iTunes, for example, if they wanted to look up the Absolutely. music? Absolutely, yeah. Wherever you find music, we're on Spotify, Apple Music iTunes, yeah, just wherever you find music, we're there. Also, um, 
Goatee Records, you know, they have like a whole backlog of our music. So, but I, I would just head to iTunes or Spotify, make it easy on you. First person ever to come across your music, if you had to point them to maybe pick one album, would you point them to the hits or would you point them to a certain album to get an idea of Out of Eden and then build from there? Oh my goodness. <laughs> That is such a hard question. <laughs> you just, um, you're going to pick the album that you have that that you were involved with the most, right? Personally, because that's the best album. I honestly, I really do not know what I would. I guess I would say the hit because you know you get you get a really good feel of what we did. But I think a lot of people's favorite songs that we did weren't our radio hits. Yeah. So um, I'd probably start with Love, Peace, and Happiness. And work backwards from there. Okay. So that you get, you know, so that Love, Peace, and Happiness was our our last regular full-length record. So I'd start there, and then I'd go um, to, to uh, No Turning Back, then More Than You Know, and then Lovely Day. And yeah. then I would kind of skip forward to our hymns record, which is actually, our hymns record is one of my absolute favorites. Um, I just wouldn't start there because you wouldn't get a really good idea sure. of our full sound. And did but you it's say a this? Great place to end. Did you say this is your life in there too? That's in there also, right? Before Love, Peace, and Happiness, that was early two thousands. Oh, did I skip one? I can't remember. I, I think you might have. Anyway, <laughs> I think you're right. I skipped. This is your life. Oh my goodness, I love this is your life. Yeah. Well, it's not in the that front was of one your one of our best pop records. Yeah. Well, yes, you're right. There's a lot of good. I'm, yeah. I'm just look. I have the whole. I have the entire library in front of me right now. So anyway. Oh wait! Now I have to go check it out again. This is your life. Was like circa 2001, 2002. Right. It was when Insync, um, Britney, all of those artists were at their peak. It was a heavy pop record. Yeah, you had different um, now as the lead like, track. Yeah, and it had like. Oh my gosh, that might be my favorite record, and I'm <laughs> I'm just now remembering it. That's so bad. <laughs> But yeah, it had um, Daylight Today where we joked about gas being so expensive and we said um, gas was a dollar sixty three or something. Yeah. But we were making a jo- at the time I think it was like a dollar thirty. Talk about and time we were capsule. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Showpiece was on that out. too, which is great. And uh and that song Praise You that you wrote, you wasn't that a poem you did or something? It was a, it just was a song that I wrote out of where I was spiritually. Yeah. And, you know, just that desperate place where you really need more, but then you realize that all you really needed was God. Amen. See? Well, it's good we had this little conversation. Yeah, it was, because <laughs> now I remember my own music. Isn't that helpful? <laughs> People don't realize, though, to, to be fair to the artist, not only we're talking about music from several, you know, a number of years ago, but even they'll say when you're in a concert, hey, sing this one. I remember actually sending a text message to Toby at Creation one year because my brother was there. He's like, "I love the song. Uh, it was about it was, it was from the Tonight CD. Uh, start somewhere about reconciliation." Mm-hmm. And he texted me back. He's like, "You gotta start somewhere. Now why not here?" <laughs> he's, he's, well, he said, I love that song. I, "He says I for, I forget the words. <laughs> like he, the catalog is big enough. He can't stay sharp on every single song." Right. That's so true. And, you know, sometimes you might forget an entire record. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody might. Not you, of course. Right. Well, Danielle, great catching up with you. God bless you. And, and thanks again for the time today. 
Yes, thank you for having me. And You're anytime welcome. I need to remember things about my own life, I'm going to make sure to give you a call. <laughs> Sounds good. Big hugs for your kids, Thanks. and God bless you. All right, you too. Thanks. Bye-bye. Danielle Kimmy Torres from Out of Eden, our guest today. What a privilege. You can listen to and download the podcast within the next hour or so at WFIL.com. Click the podcast tab and the Tim DeMoss Show tab. You'll be all set. Jim Axum, X413 Ministries, leads in prayer next. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.